Good morning. All right, welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It is great to see you all this morning. Uh, if you would, uh, be sure and look in your bulletin for any important announcements about things upcoming. As you see this morning, we have the Lord's Supper. Uh, there is a business meeting tonight uh, that I'm sure um, Daniel will probably maybe speak more about. But business meeting tonight, uh, check your bulletin for important announcements. If you're a visitor with us, we're so glad that you've come to worship with us this morning as we gather to worship the Lord in song and through the preaching of the Word and through the observance of the Lord's Supper. Uh, so if you would, at this time, please stand as we read God's Word. And following the reading, uh, the choir uh, will, will begin singing. So our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. We'll begin our worship this morning by singing a great hymn, He Lives, and we're glad to have Daryl playing organ today. Go, Daryl. <laughs>
would you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer? Holy Fathers, we bow before you this morning. We rejoice and praise you in giving thanks for the calm assurance of your living. You tell us, if I live, those of us who are believers and followers of you will live also. What a wonderful hope and assurance that is ours as your children. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you, Lord, for those who told us about you and help us to come to know you. Those who have nurtured us and encouraged us through the years in teaching us your word, giving us the example to follow as we seek to become more like your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for every person that has gathered here today. We pray, Father, for those that are in the process of grief. We pray for those, our Father, who are homebound and unable to attend the services. We thank thee, our Father, for each person, our guests today that have come. And no doubt, Father, there are very special needs that maybe no one else other than you is aware of. And we pray, Father, as those burdens and concerns are acknowledged, confessed unto you, God, that you would minister unto them in according to your riches and glory. We pray for our pastor as he leads us this morning in your word, anoint him of your spirit, and may we see those that do not know your Savior and Lord come to know you today. These things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.
Lord of Lords. Let's sing that chorus together. <laughs>
Let's bow our hearts for the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for your providence. And Father, we recognize this morning that all good and perfect gifts come from your hand. Without you and apart from you, we are nothing. Father, bless this holy hour. Father, I pray that you'll bless these gifts today. That they may further your kingdom here on earth. Father, we are called to witness. We are called to share the gospel. May we be found doing that. Bless this time of giving, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
you, Daryl. We have a video here we're about to show. I hope it's of uh, Beth Moore. We have a simulcast coming here in two months. Hey everybody, listen, I am so thrilled that your local church is partnering with us as part of our 2018 simulcast on September 15th. Listen, there's nothing all year long that we believe God more for, more fervently than we do for this simulcast gathering. This is the big date on our calendar. And with everything we've got, we believe Him to come with transforming power, with such affection and Praise God with our adoration of Him, creating an atmosphere where He can do absolutely anything He pleases. I want so much to see Him do that with you, and I want to be with you that day so that we can get in God's Word together and worship Him with all of our hearts. I'm so, so glad that your local church is offering this opportunity, and I'm so thankful to invite you to be part of it. Come, we're going to have such a good time. That is Beth Moore, and our church is a simulcast, uh, I guess, host site. She does, uh, I think once a year, always in September, she has a big event, and I, I think it's in Indiana. Well, anyway, it's, some, it's actually, she'll be doing the Living Proof Live in Indiana, but then they film it so you can watch it in our sanctuary here. It's going to be on Saturday, September 15th, and it's from like 9 to 4, 9 to 5. It's an all-day event. I believe it costs $15 for uh, all ladies are invited. We hope to have a great group. This actually, uh, it's two weeks from uh, today, because today's the 15th, so, or two weeks, two months from today. So I want you to uh, prayerfully consider putting that on your calendar, ladies. It's a big, it's kind of their big event for the year. Uh, go ahead and put that down. It's going to be uh, wonderful uh, here. Uh, so it's a blessing that we're able to be able to, you'll be here in the sanctuary watching Beth Moore live. Uh, just like you were there in Indiana at the conference. So that is um, certainly coming. You can actually sign up online, and um, if you go on our w church's website, you click on the women's ministry page, and the link is right there. So you could go there, sign up, and I think you can pay as well for that. Uh, open your Bible. I hope you brought your Bible to John chapter 17. This is a lot of Scripture today. Uh, David gave me a lot of time, and then we also have Lord's Supper. This is a 26-verse prayer, and in many ways this is... I think of uh, many times when you preach on, teach on prayer, uh, it can um, be very self-explanatory, but this is a very deep prayer that we're going to read here. This is the night before Jesus is crucified. So I want you, we're gonna, there's actually three parts. There's a three-point sermon. We're going to see that Jesus prays for himself. Then he also prays for his fellow disciples, or his disciples. Then he also prays for all of us, all believers, throughout the world, including us here today. So we're going to see the three different breakdowns. I think we see a model for all of us, as well as uh, what's, what is important in Jesus' prayer life should be important to your prayer life. So that's our goal that we're going to certainly see uh, here. While you turn there, I want to share a couple things going on here at our church. Next Sunday, Sherry and I and our children and my parents will be at First Baptist Church of Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. So that means Sunday morning. Mr. Zach Bauer, is Zach here? Where is Zach's right there? Zach, our minister of students, he will be preaching the morning service, unless he's at the hospital having a baby. So uh, that's, uh, he'll be here Sunday morning. Uh, I went with Ben Biddle to Brazil back uh, in, what was that, late February. We met this interesting guy named Tom Patterson, Tom and Ann Patterson. They are from Barberville, Kentucky. Barberville is down, 
I-75 in Knox County. He is, God has given him a ministry. It's called the Church Strengthening Ministry. And he is just a great blessing. And you will really enjoy hearing from Tom. He will be preaching Sunday evening. He's an interesting guy. He looks like he's Jewish. He has a, a long, those, I don't know if he shaved it, um, but uh, has a long beard. It just... Uh, really unique. He's going to preach on healing and probably be a healing service. Who knows? So <clears throat> all I know is I'll be in, in Hilton Head. So you'll, you'll be having a great time here with Tom. So um, that's next Sunday. It'll be a, a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful Sunday. It'll be a, a great blessing as well. Also, I believe uh, four weeks from today, I want you, if you see in your bulletin, we are going to Jenkins, Kentucky. That is in eastern Kentucky there in Letcher County. If you've never been on a mission trip, this is a great mission trip to go on. It's only three days and two nights. We're going to be soon be collecting food and water. Danny and I, Danny Snyder and I, we're going to be hauling it down there, and we're going to go up in the hollers in the community, and we're going to deliver it to people. And um, we'll be partnering there with Hellyer Baptist Church in Pike County. That's where Bessie and... Her husband, and, uh, and they uh, serve there at the ministry, and it's, um, it's with the uh, Kentucky Baptist Convention, and it, we're, we'll be working through their ministry called uh, God's Love from a Diaper Bag, but you know, it's not just giving out diapers, but it's get meeting physical need all throughout that community and there in eastern Kentucky. We'll be working in Wise County, Virginia, Pike County, as well as Letcher County. So look at your calendar. That's a Thursday morning. We'll leave at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, or 8 o'clock in the morning, and we'll be back that Saturday about 5 or 6 o'clock. Your only expense is your food. So uh, it's very minimum expense, and it's going to be a great blessing to you and uh, your family who's certainly going that. So those are, um, those are some opportunities coming up for you to certainly connect here at Broadway. Yesterday, I did something I've never been to before. Not only have I not ever been to Keeneland, I've never even pulled the car into Keeneland. I've never even been to a horse track in, in my life. I don't believe in gambling, but I had to go to Keeneland because it's important here to our community, and it's something to do. And because their tours were only $11 for two hours. I mean, a guided tour for 11 bucks for two hours, and that was a, the kids were free, great deal. And you go there, and plus this place you can actually, they board, I didn't realize this, they board horses there. They keep at least 200 horses all the time there, and they have living quarters, the jockeys live back there. You go off to Keeneland, off to the right, there's a whole other community. Did you know there was a chaplain? They even have a chaplain for, uh, for the horse racing that, that serves right there. We toured Keeneland, first time ever in my life, go to Keeneland, and I went there, and I learned the history of it. First of all, that is a nice place. That is a very nice horse track. It's not, uh, it's not what you think, but it's um, uh, very luxurious when you go there. We go there, and we, we're touring it, and uh, the, the tour guide gives us a history. And I'm going to wrap all this into the sermon, where the, the message we're about to see here, Jesus says in, in John chapter 17, Jack King founded Keeneland in 1936. And what he was doing is he wanted to start a, a track, a racetrack here in Lexington. And, and the goal of the racetrack was it to be, for it to be open to everybody. And one of their signature things, and he says, the tour guy keep pointing this out to us, if you ever go to Keeneland, you'll notice something. There are no fences. If you just were walking in the woods over there, that part of the county, and you just walked up, you could literally just walk straight out of the woods, straight up into the horse track. There's no fences, and that's one of their signature things. And the, what, try, what he wanted, Jack Keene, when he founded that, he wanted the racetrack to be more than just a track. 
He wanted to be a, just almost like a park so that the whole community could come to Keeneland. Even if you're just going to come have a picnic there and go, go out to lunch, it's always open for you to do that. And he was trying to create an atmosphere for Lexingtonians, this whole region, that it's more than just, you know, this is betting on a horse here and trying to win some money. This is something for everyone that you can certainly be a part of. And when, he was, when the tour guide's telling this story about Jack Keene, one of the sad things with Jack Keene is he ran out of money. <laughs> you know, horse racing costs a lot. Even when you're building a horse track, it costs a lot. So he didn't quite finish it, but he, uh, he only had like 200000 back in the 30s. That was a lot during the Great Depression, but so much he invested in it. And then he ran out of funds, and Keeneland took over, and they, they finished out. But his vision was to have an open track so that it could be something for everyone to go and be a part of. This prayer we are about to read here in the Bible, Jesus is going to do very much the same thing. He's about to pray. He's going to thank His Father for just Himself. He says, God, we are one. Then He's going to pray for His disciples. Then He's about to pray for the entire world and for everyone to hear the gospel and for everyone to have the witness for what God was doing 2,000 years ago. This is the night before He's about to die on the cross. For it to spread and go to the uttermost parts of the of the earth. And I think what we're, the goal of what we see here is something as so small as this prayer, it can be something so big. There's no fences on Keeneland. There's no limits here on the gospel. Nothing's holding it back. And that's what we're about to witness in these 26 verses. Now I want to tell you the context of this uh, prayer here. This prayer, the location is not indicated. Now some folks believe, some Bible scholars believe, this is very similar to Jesus' prayer in Garden of Gethsemane in, found in Mark chapter 14, verse 32. But the Bible does not say he's in Gethsemane, so we do not know. He could be in the upper room. This could be after they celebrated, the, observed the Lord's Supper. Likely it was there. He was at the Lord's Supper. He did that. Or it could have been the Garden of Gethsemane. We do not know. But this is, we do know this is prayed the night before his crucifixion. So the next, later that night, he's going to be arrested after praying this prayer. And I think what we see in this is we are going to see the heart of Christ. If you want to have an in-depth study of prayer, you have to, this prayer is called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer because He's going to God and He's saying, I am the one that's going to, about to die and I am the Lord. And I'm, well, the message I'm going to give to you, it's going to go out to everyone. So I want you to follow. We're, I'm going to read this in three different sections since uh, Jesus broke it into three Three sections. The first one here is Jesus here is about to pray for himself. And we're really going to pull out one verse in this passage. Verse 1. John 17, 1. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone that you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. Now, we have to remember, Jesus is praying this prayer in the presence of his disciples. So you're probably wondering, this is an odd way to pray. It's almost like he's talking to God, but he's also aware of who's around him. And I want you all to look at this. Look in your Bibles here. This is, these are uh, 
incredible doctrinal truths what we see in this five-verse prayer. This is Jesus praying for himself. We remember Jesus is God. Verse 5 tells us, do you know where Jesus was when the world came into existence? He was with God. He says here, I was with you. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the, that glory I had with you before the world existed. Before the world existed, Jesus existed. He was there. Not only that, he makes it very clear in verse 3. For this is eternal life. Do you want to know and teach someone how to be saved? Do you want to be saved this morning? This is it. He says it. That they may know you, the only true God, and the one you've sent, Jesus Christ. Christ makes it very clear. He is it. All eternal life comes through Jesus Christ. There is no other way for anyone to be saved. Even someone who's never heard of Jesus, their only hope is Jesus. That's why missions is so important. This is why personal evangelism has to be a priority for our life. Christ is making it clear. If folks want eternal life, if they want to live forever, when you witness to someone, when you tell someone the good news of Jesus, when you tell a lost heathen who does not know the Lord how to be saved, that is the best thing you can tell them. Why? Because Jesus says He is the only way. But the verse I want to pull out here is verse 4. Look at this verse. One of the, have you ever wondered, says, God, what's my, what's my place? How can I serve? What do you want me to do for you? You come to church and you hear about all these options. You go on the mission trip. You can um, go to Sunday school. Hopefully you do go to Sunday school. You can um, go to different Bible studies. You come to Sunday night church. You come to Wednesday night church. And you come here. It's almost like shopping, a, like a, going to Golden Corral. I still have yet to find the Golden Corral here. <clears throat> but you go there and it's just a giant buffet. The problem with eating Golden Corral is you get way too much food. Because you feel you've got to get your money's worth when you go there. So you come to church... And it's like, this is just the buffet. There's just anything you want. We've got it. If we don't have it, we'll make it. We'll start a Awanas for you. We've got, the, we've got the programs in the place for you. Now, that might work today, 2018, but that's not the focus Jesus Christ had whatsoever. Christ had a singular mission. He knew what He was to do. I want you all to look at this. Look at this verse. Verse 4. I have glorified you on earth. What does it mean to be glorified? That means he's making God's name great. He's bringing honor to his Father. Everything he does in his life, it's representing his Father who sent him. Glorifying doesn't necessarily mean you're standing in a worship service holding your hands up. It says, my life, what I do, my actions, my deeds, my attitude, everything about me, my job is to represent, to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So that's how he's bringing this honor to his Father. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus Christ knew what he was to do. Can you honestly say that? Do you know what the Lord wants you to do? You think, well, what's my, what do I do? Jesus' work was to die on the cross. Crystal clear. God made it clear. You're going to be sent from his plan from before the world was created. He knew this was good. God, nothing surprises the Lord. He's going to send His Son to die. Now, for us, many of us say, okay, Daniel, that's great. Jesus knew what He was going to do. Well, He was God. I'm not God. What do I do? Now, the second section, we're going to start seeing what we do. 
Second point here, Jesus is going to shift, and He's going to start talking about, all of a sudden, I'm going to or start praying here for His disciples. <clears throat> I think I'm the king of getting telemarketing phone calls. We receive them all the time. Uh, cell phone, home phone, church phone. I mean, I'm sure you're the same, but I get them literally daily. Even yesterday was receiving them. Probably this afternoon. Go check voicemail. They're still telemarketing. Well, I get this one call from, it's, and nowadays they're not even humans. It used to be they were humans and they were always stationed in Nebraska. That's because they have a Midwestern accent that would cover the whole, um, whole U.S. Then they moved to India. Now it's just a machine that calls you. So I answer the phone, and it's a machine. And you hang up, even if you say, don't call me back, you push the buttons, you don't want to call, they're still going to call you back. It doesn't matter what you say, what you do, you're going to get telemarketing phone calls. That's, that's just part of being an American, if you have an American phone number. There's no way, even if you're on the do not call us, you would still get them. <clears throat> so, I get this one phone call from this machine, and it's about gun control. <laughs> I don't know how, we only own a gun, but we get all these fo- <clears throat> phone calls for it. So we, um, and they say, sir, um, do, if you... All right, if you want more gun control, press one. But if you want us to fight and have less gun control so that uh, there's no more laws passed against guns, press two. So I'll press two. And then you press two and it takes you to this other machine. And the person starts telling you, saying, if you donate $75, we will go to Washington and we will make sure no new laws are passed for gun control. So if you can't give 75, you need to give 35. And sir, would you, and this is a machine talking, would you like to make a donation, press one. So that's, if you, you just walk through the buttons here, I mean, they call every day, so I've, I've learned this. I, I could, really, I could be a telemarker, just sit there and ask the people. So if you want more laws to protect gun rights, you keep pressing these buttons. So I thought, okay, I'm tired of pressing two. Because, I mean, I, I just, at some point, you just hang up, this is just wasting my time. So finally, this past week, I thought, you know, I'm going to press one. I want more gun control. I wonder what would happen if I press the other button. So you press one, and that's for more gun control. This is no joke. They take you to another machine. Says, "Sir, do you want to ban assault rifles? You need to donate seventy-five dollars, and we will make sure we go to Washington. Either way, whatever button you push, I mean, it's unbelievable. Any button you push, they're going to take money from you. Whatever you, whatever you want to hear, you just push the right buttons, and you will get, you will get the answer you want." Now, I share that, and you get off the phone and go, who on, earth, who, who on earth would donate to this machine? Asking, I mean, it must work because they're called over and over and over. I share this because there's a laser focus on this telemarketing machine and what they're doing. They know their purpose. I genuinely think they don't care about whether or not you um, care for or against gun control. They want your credit card info. That is all they want. They know their purpose. They want money. Whatever you you for or against it, we'll just be happy. We'll just give us our donation, and we'll go to Washington and fight for you. Now, it would be nice if we had that type of Christians, that laser focus in our life, that we knew what we wanted. But the truth is, for some of us here this morning, I'm going to be truthful. You do not know God's will for your life. You do not know God's plan. You don't know God's prayer that He has for you. And I that's what we're getting here. Jesus is going to pray for His disciples. And I don't think what's so powerful about this is He's also, now remember, He's praying this likely. I think He was in the upper room. I think this was prayed after the Lord's Supper, this prayer. And then He went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they got sleepy and tired. 
And obviously, that's when he was arrested and a fight broke out with Peter and uh, things like that occurred, those events there. But I believe Jesus is praying this prayer after the Lord's Supper, knowing he wants his disciples to hear it. And the reason why he wants his disciples here is because they need to understand, guys, you need to have the same laser focus and direction that I have. And I want to tell you, in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, Broadway, you need that. You need to know, what is God's plan for me in 2018? Look here, here it is, verse 8, verse 6. This is part 2. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given is from you. Because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed you sent me. He's talking about his twelve disciples who were there with him. I pray for them that I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. Because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. The son of destruction, that's Judas Iscariot there. He didn't make it. So at this point, he's probably left. Remember, after during the Lord's Supper, he got up and left. So in that upper room here, he's saying, there's, there's one, the son of destruction, he's gone. He's, go, he's going out to betray me. Verse 13, Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not in the world. Now look at this. This is a verse we're going to focus on, verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We're coming back to that. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. What we just saw, this is a lengthy prayer. Jesus is praying this for his disciples. It's, it's hard to follow this prayer. What just happened here, Jesus just prayed to God. And he says, God, I want, you, I want these guys to know that I have prayed in verse 12. I, verse 12, while I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you've given me. Jesus had this group of 12 disciples. Now, one was the devil, literally Judas. He left. He went to betray Jesus. He's got these 11 men here, and he's pouring his three years ministry into them. He's discipling and investing in them, and he's praying for God to protect them because he knows and he talked about here, there's an evil one here who's coming. I'm guarded them. And no one, one of them was lost except Judas here. What is Jesus? Why is Jesus talking about how he guarded them? Jesus knew 
that if he was not praying and uplifting and asking God to strengthen his disciples, they would get attacked by the evil one. Because their mission is revealed in verse 18. It says, I'm I'm sending you into the world. Guys, you're going to go and you're going to be a great witness for me. These 12 men are going to go out, but I want you to know, if you don't have someone praying for you and interceding for you, you won't make it. And in fact, one didn't make it. Judas couldn't make it. The evil one got him. Jesus is commissioning these guys. And in the commission, he's saying, guys, I know you're anxious to work. And I know you want to do some great things for the Lord, but you don't realize who's looking at you also. And it's the devil. And he wants to destroy you. And he wants to stop the work that you're going to do. And he talked about this word sanctify. Go back to verse 17. The word sanctify means to be made holy. Holiness, um, we are told in the Bible, Old and New Testament, that we are to be holy because God is holy. Holy means set apart. We as Christians... We are set apart for the Lord. That means you do not live like the world lives. You are to live a holy and pure, God-honoring life. That's what it means to be sanctified. And God is going to sanctify us, meaning He's going to make us holy and become more like Him. Now you say, well, Daniel, I want that. I want to be sanctified. How can you be sanctified? Well, verse 17 tells us, Sanctify them by the truth. Okay, the truth. What's the truth? Here it is. Look at this. Your word is truth. The Bible is truth. If you want to know what truth is, it's right here. This is what, this is how, this is the avenue we as believers become holy like God. We take God's word and we say, Lord, I read this. Even lengthy chapters. And I'm taking your word and I'm going to apply it in my life. Listen, we live in a culture today where any, literally anything goes. Anything. Nothing surprised me. Before, before this church service began, I was having a conversation. They were talking about Boy Scouts. How you know girls can join the Boy Scouts because of gender issues. I mean, literally, nothing surprises us anymore. Nothing. But we as believers, we are grounded in one thing. And that is the way we become close to the Lord, the way we become holy and become more Christ-like, it's this book right here. This is God's Word. All 66 books of it. Listen, if you, if you are not in this book, Jesus is saying here, now guard them from the evil one. In verse 12, protect them from the evil one. If you are not in this book, you are wide open for an attack. It's like there's no fences in your life. It's like you're at Keeneland. Just walk up out of the woods and just jump on the horse track. Nothing could stop you. You're living a life with no guardrails. You're living a life with no fence around you because you're, you're going about and... He will attack. I think what's powerful about this, okay, what of all the things Jesus could pray for for His disciples, His final prayer, what does He pray for? He, goes, he prays for the protection. 
and the holiness of his disciples. He says, first you've got to get protected from the evil one. Then you've got to get sanctified. You need to make sure that you are grounded in God's truth. And then you can go out into the world. Some of us, guys, we're, we're, you're eager to serve. You're wanting God to do something. But you forgot about the evil one who's trying to destroy you. And you forgot about the power of God's word, the, which is the guardrails around your life. Listen, the devil wants to wreck your life. He wants you to fall off the cliff, destroy your family, destroy your marriage, destroy your spiritual life. Listen, the truth is, some of us here right now, we are in the dog days of summer, right in the middle of summer. The sad truth is, some of us here in July of 2018, if we were to fast forward one year, you you will not be in church in July of 2019 for whatever reason. You'll get bitter. Somebody will hurt you. It'll be some disappointment. You'll have a setback in your life. And you'll be blaming God. You'll blame your preacher. You'll blame whoever else you want to blame. And the devil will be smiling, say, I won. I got him. And he's claiming victory because they were not protected. Jesus wants his disciples protected from the evil one. If that's important to the Lord 2,000 years ago, it has to be important to you today. Alright, third point. So you see here, Jesus here praying for his, Himself. He's praying that all of a sudden he's, all salvation comes through Him. He's praying for His disciples, praying for their protection against the evil one. They will be sanctified in God's Word. You want to become holy like the Lord? It's going to be found in your Bible. That's how you grow closer to God. But not only that, now, He's about to pray for you. This is point three of His prayer. Look at verse 20. John 17, 20. It says here, I pray not only for these, the disciples here, but also for those who believe in Me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you've given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, and the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now look at this, verse 24. Father, I want those You've given to me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father. Notice, how, notice, how, notice what God, Jesus calls us God. He calls Him Father, Righteous Father, Holy Father. He is His Father. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them, and they will continue to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. I know that's hard to follow, but what Jesus just prayed here, to, his, to all believers, to us included, He said, God, I want the, the message that's going to go out to the world. I want there to be a unity In verse 21, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. We believe in the Trinity. 
When you talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that is not three gods. That is one God revealed in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three of those are fully God. The Holy Spirit is not level three down here. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit's in our presence with us now. And there's a unity in the Trinity. Jesus just prayed for future disciples that they and future believers that they will be one. There's a unity. He wants them to have a unified focus. You say, Daniel, what is that unified focus? What unifies believers is one person, and that's Christ. Jesus, the gospel, is what unifies us together. Listen, we are not unified by the Republican Party. We are not unified by uh, Kentucky football. We are not unified by which beach we go to and have a good time. As Christians, our unification, our, our connection is solely with Christ. When we see other people, we have to see them. Okay, this is either a believer, and if they are a believer, they have been born again, and they have the same focus that the world needs to be made known of Christ, or they are lost, and we need to tell them about Jesus. Do you all see the focus that Jesus is talking about here? Saying the mission that He's communicating to His disciples and the the people who will hear that from the disciples because jesus realizes he's about to leave but they're going to go out there's going to be pentecost and there's going to be an early church movement and the gospel is going to start spreading from jerusalem and spreads all the way here over the years to lexington that's how it got here what started in jerusalem is here it's arrived they take this message And it should be a unifying message that Jesus saves. And because of that, we go out and we make make it known. Verse 25, Righteous Father, the world has not known you. Our world is run by and operated by the devil. The world worldliness is not of God. We're called to godliness. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. And that is what we as believers make known. Our mission, what Jesus Christ is telling us in this entire 26-verse prayer, the high priestly prayer, says, I've got these believers here, and God has foreordained before the creation of the world that there will be people who will be saved and born again believers, and they are going to be sanctified by my word. They're going to know me as their son, and then they're going to go out, and they're going to tell the world about me. And I'm going to pray for them, that the evil one will, that, they'll, that he will not get to them, that they will be protected. There will be a fence around them so they won't go off the guardrails and fall off the cliff. Yours and my mission from this prayer, what we are revealed, is our sole purpose, Broadway, is to make Jesus known. In a unified way, we don't fight with other Christians. We don't bicker with other denominations. We don't try to work through politics to accomplish the gospel. Jesus is saying right here, just as I and the Father are one, you are united around this. Listen, when 
great things are happening in our church, our answer is amen. That's great. Praise God. I hope that continues to bless them. The gospel, Jesus, is what is our driving force. He is what? He is our foundation. This morning, I want you, what I want you to get from this prayer. Now, this is our summer season of prayer. That if, if Jesus prayed for it, if this, was, if this was important enough for an entire chapter of the Bible to be donated, or to be written here, donated, to be written about Christ and His night before He's crucified, if it's important then, it has to be important now. Jesus is interceding for your behalf. Jesus wants you, just like the disciples, to have a unified focus on Him and to go out and tell other people about Him. Eternal life, there is nothing more important than eternal life. People are either going to die and go to hell, or they're going to die and go to heaven. And because of that, the Lord has chosen you and I, if you're a believer, to go out and make that message known. We have one goal, and everything we do as a Christian, everything we do as a church, it leads back to this. Are we pointing people to Jesus? That is the prayer we see from the high priestly prayer. Jesus is speaking to you this morning. And He's saying He wants you to take responsibility in your life. The responsibility includes, number one, that you are protected. God wants you protected. Because the evil one will knock you off track. He will get you distracted. Number two, He wants you sanctified. He wants to take your, this word... God wants you to be pure based on His Word. And number three, He wants you a unified person as a believer on mission. And a unified person is, hey, I'm going to take my Bible, God's Word, and I'm going to go out and advance it. Are you protected? Church, are you sanctified? That means are you made holy? And not only that, are you all of a sudden, are you unified around Jesus Christ? The gospel brings us together. It drives us to the Lord. We're about to have this Lord's Supper. I believe this prayer here was prayed right before, or probably right after they observed the Lord's Supper, what we're about to observe. And he's got his disciples, and he's praying for them because he's about to be arrested. This is Jesus' final meal. And he said, Lord, is this who I am? Have I become holy? Am I set apart? Have I been sanctified by Your Word? If you aren't, if you need God to cleanse you, He will. He, he will make you pure. He forgives. This is why He died on a cross. He will give you and reignite a passion and an honor and a joy. Restore the joy of salvation in the Lord in your life. So when we take this Lord's Supper here in a few seconds, I want you to look at your life and say, Lord, when I read this prayer, do I see myself? Do I see this represents me and my desire and my will? Do, is, does it, am I bothered that the people I work with, the people I live with, the people I, I uh, maybe I'm friends with, that truthfully, if they died, I don't know where they would go for a spend of eternity. And if it matters to Jesus, it should matter to you. I'm going to invite our deacons to come forward. We're going to have our time of the Lord's Supper. 
It's a time for self-examination. I want you to line up your life with what John chapter 17 says here about Jesus' passion, His mission.
may be seated. What happened, Jesus picked up the bread and he, he served his disciples. This is why we serve the bread to folks. It's not you taking it yourself, someone else is serving it to you because Jesus also served his disciples during this final meal that he had. And he told us when he ha- was taking the Lord's Supper, he said, this do in remembrance of me. So we're doing this. Lord's Supper doesn't save us. Jesus saves us, but we're doing this to remember Jesus Christ. Here at Broadway, we do participate in the Lord's Supper. We observe it seven times a year. So it's exciting that you're all here this Sunday, to, on this special Sunday here in the summer, observing the Lord's Supper. Jesus picked up the bread during that final meal, and he prayed over the bread. The bread represents his body, so let's pray over our piece of bread Lord, we thank you for this bread. We know this unleavened bread here represents your body. Lord, you are pure. Lord, you are clean. Lord, you've sanctified us. Lord, if we are believers, we identify with you through this bread. Lord, I pray that we never forget the cost that was involved in the Lord's Supper. You died on the cross after this final meal. This bread represents your body. Lord, we pray that as we observe this and we eat this bread, we remember the payment that was made on the cross so we could be forgiven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Bible says after they served the bread, they then served the wine. So we serve grape juice, so we're going to now serve our, our juice.
and y'all may be seated. During the Lord's Supper, after they served, Jesus served the bread, he did pick up, there was a, it was a, um, a thing of wine there, and he, sir, he gave a drink, drank of it, and passed it around, and all the disciples drank from it. And it represented, he shared when he picked it up, he shared that the, the cup there represented his blood. They didn't understand what was about to happen, but Jesus was saying, this meal is a symbolic meal of my life. My body is the bread. The wine here represents my blood because I'm about to die on a cross. My blood will be shed so you can be forgiven. And that's what it symbolizes when we participate in the Lord's Supper. This cup represents Jesus' blood. He picked up the cup and he prayed over it. So let's pray over our cup. Lord, we thank you for this cup here, wine. Lord, we know this represents your blood. Lord, you shed your blood on the cross so we could be forgiven. Lord, a great payment was made. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that has never received what you offered on the cross, they will do so this morning and do so today. Lord, you offer forgiveness because of your blood. We thank you for this cup. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At the Lord's Supper, it says the disciples, after they had the Lord's Supper and Jesus had his prayer there, it says they sang a hymn. And our hymn is our hymn of invitation. We close every worship service here at Broadway with the opportunity to respond to what God has been doing and is doing into your life. And we're going to do that. This is an opportunity for you to make a decision. Well, if you need to get baptized, we have baptism next month on August 19th. You can join our church, or you can, just like I shared with the Lord's Supper, you can give your life to Christ. So we're going to close with a song. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. We'll all stand up together. We're going to sing hymn number 256, Have You Been to Calvary? I'll be standing up front waiting for you to respond to Jesus.
right, be seated real quick. I'm going to, God's certainly doing, always doing great things here at our church. Uh, before I uh, introduce our, the, our folks who've made decisions, I want to remind you a couple of things. Uh, this coming week, we, um, um, or actually tonight, we have our, whenever we have the Lord's Supper, we also have our bi-monthly business meeting. So you want to certainly come. We have evening worship at 6 o'clock, then around 7 or so, maybe a little bit before 7, we have our business meeting. So we have our youth group also meeting at 6 and uh, Zip for Kids, our children's ministry, they meet at 6 as well. So that will be going on. So certainly want to invite you back to that. Also, when this service concludes, the, um, we have our deacons uh, six times a year um, when we always collect, have the Lord's Supper here. In, um, well, so I guess seven times a year also. But we, have, um, we collect a benevolent offering. Our deacons will be at the four different exits. You know, this is all the time we get requests for folks who need help uh, with bills or with just all sorts of stuff. We're able, our deacons do wonderful ministry, and we collected just a love offering, so if you have any pocket change you want to make a gift, you just put those in the offering player, and you are on your way out here in a little bit, and Kevin Dye and the deacons administer that, and are faithfully always helping others out, contributing that. Also, this coming Saturday, Jim Hatfield, he was here last Sunday, his wife is a Faye, Faye and Jim Hatfield, if you were here in the 60s, his daddy in the 70s too, his daddy was the pastor, his name was Paul uh, Hatfield, and you can look at the wall of fame out here by the elevator, his picture's out there, he's like the third or fourth pastor, well his son Jim lives here, and actually used to, uh, he was head basketball coach at Mississippi State, and uh, used to be assistant for Joe B. Hall, and um, a great man of God, and he's going to be speaking this coming Saturday, 8 o'clock at the men's prayer breakfast, so all the men are certainly are invited to uh, be a part of that. That's going to be on the 21st of this month at 8 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall, our monthly men's prayer breakfast. God's been doing wonderful things. We've got a, a dad and a son uh, joining our church this morning here. This here is a Greg and Altry Bradshaw. And they're coming and uniting here with Broadway, and they're transferring their church membership from a local area Baptist church. So they've known Brother Herb for many years, and they've been connected here in our community. So we're excited for this father and a son, for coming here and uniting and joining Broadway. If you're excited for the Bradshaw, Bradshaw boys, will you join me in saying amen. Amen. We always have, we always have a receiving line, so what we want to do is, well, David Dale's going to close us here in song. Right when we're done, we always have a line. You can come by and shake their hand and let them, give them a wonderful Broadway welcome with that. Hey, next Sunday, you're going to be in for a blessing with Zach. So this is, Zach's going to come and preach, and he's going to go have a baby. So it's going to be the first one, so it'll be exciting for him. I want you to be here. It's going to be a wonderful Sunday next week. All right, I'm going to play traffic cop this morning because of what's here. Don't come this way. Kind of go back that way to make the line flow, okay? Come come down and shake hands this morning. Stand with me, Will. Sing, 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 oh, sing. 